0: Phil and Kyle start a podcast, and Rudy Gobert comes to town. Hardly a coincidence, it's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tygi. My bad. Hi, I'm Phil, and that's Kyle. And I forgot to put us on screen, thus the train wreck start to this podcast. Yes, we are professional podcasters, everyone. Hello. I figure we could play the Rudy Gobert version of our intro again now because he's kind of back to being the Rudy Gobert, mostly of old. Although the Kings went five wide in overtime last night, did the they did the Clippers Mavericks thing on Rudy, and uh, it worked very well for them. So we could. Do you want to start with the buzzkill overtime loss to the Kings, or do you want to go back to the elation of the Memphis win and the first win over the Kings? Let's start
1: negative, and we'll work our way back to what was a positive weekend and a positive month. But yeah, let's talk. Yeah. What
0: did you think about last night? Um, I'm not—this is where I have to check myself, because with an 82-game basketball season and the same thing like following the Twins, for instance, it's 162 games. Mm-hmm. And I do a football podcast every day. I talk about the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> we literally do a 365-day-a-year Vikings podcast it revolves around 17 football games. <laughs> and so it's really easy in the football world to overreact to a one out of 17 slice because those games you lose or win one of those games and it could alter whether you get to the playoffs or mm-hmm. seeding or whatever maybe. And the NBA, I think you know you're going to lose X amount of games. Some of them warrant Panic button, emergency episode, oh, my God, whatever. Some of your wins are going to warrant big-time celebration, whatever. But there's just going to be some losses, I think, in an NBA schedule that are like, shrug your shoulders. Yeah, okay. There's definitely things to discuss, but that was just kind of a basketball loss. You're facing the Sacramento Kings, who are one of the top three, three or four seeds in the Western Conference. It's the highest scoring offense in the NBA. And uh, you just beat them two nights ago. So Mm -hmm. they get to sit on it for 48 hours, scout you, create some sort of counterattack, right? Like they come out hot. They're leading by seven after the first quarter. And then it kind of goes back and forth. But I don't know. Like there's definitely things to get into, overtime being one of them. Um, But I don't know. I'm not like worked up about this loss, I guess. Should I be? No. and Well, okay. Yes and no. (laughs) <laughs> no, in the sense of,
1: I th- I think I said this last week, but there was some stat where like 70% of these kind of two-game series between a, like a home and home. So the Wolves obviously were at home for both games against the Kings. Like 70% of the time, those result in a, in a split. Yeah. Um. They've only been doing that kind of scheduling for a couple of years based on like COVID and trying to reduce some travel. But yeah, I mean, I don't know, a little behind the scenes. Like I kind of bet the Kings money line. Like I, I was just like, I just don't think the Wolves can do it again, even though they looked... Really good on, what was it, Saturday night against the Kings, on the second night of a back-to-back after a pretty impressive Memphis win. Um, So, no, I kind of woke up yesterday morning and was like, the Wolves are probably going to lose to the Kings. The way you would feel bad about it is in overtime, it was actually bad for the Wolves that Sabonis (laughs) fouled out. Um, The second time, the real time, I know we all thought he got ejected, uh, which he probably should have been because he was throwing a tantrum and got one technical and, like, I don't know, Nas Reed got stabbed again, and he got a technical for just being like, <laughs> "Hey, I got stabbed." So weird officiating again. But once the bonus went out, the Kings just kind of went, and this is something to look at moving forward in the playoffs. Like they just went really small, and they played Trey Lyles at at the five. Um, he kind of cooked them in a little pick and roll, hit a couple threes. Um, they're just not—they're not really used to defending that a lot right now. I mean, the, I think I saw the Wolves had like the sixth best defensive rating in in January. So I mean they they figured out the Rudy thing a lot when you play a traditional lineup, but when you play a team that kind of goes small, that sucked also too like I don't want to bury the lead free throws. I don't yeah. I'm as a Timberwolves fan or someone who covers a team like I'm used to dropping a game here and there and being a little disappointed, but I really like that's probably my biggest pet peeve in basketball is when you lose because you just shot 13 of 25 from the free throw line super weird yeah and ant and dilo were one of seven combined ant and dilo like yeah and like they missed a couple like i always hate to and like uh you're at home and the opponent gets called for a technical that's a good moment in in the crowd to kind of get them riled up and then you go miss the free throw it's like ah that like that was a wasted wasted moment so free throws did them in um turnovers i mean you know I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of things, but D'Angelo Russell was phenomenal in the entire month of January. I have some thoughts on the way he is covered nationally, but we used to get on him and we still do when he turns the ball over a lot. Well, Ant had six turnovers last night and they were all killers. (laughs) Like they were like some just sloppy, like dribbling turnovers. So we got to keep it consistent. I thought Ant, even though he had 33 and 8 and 5 and two steals and two blocks, he was really good again. He went kind of full Michael Jordan down the stretch there, just hitting one. Pull up contested two after another to try to win it, but he did have some sloppy turnovers that kind of did him in, and then yeah, the free throws were not great. But all, all in all, to your point, originally they win that game last night, they're the four seed in the West. Yeah. They lose that game, they're the ninth seed. Um, we're probably going to keep doing that, and I have said that you know these last thirty or so games are kind of must win. But as John Krasinski tweeted out, there's still eleven weeks of the season left. That's pretty much an entire NFL season. So yeah. We're going to ride the roller coaster until the middle of April, but you know, yeah, I I it was a bummer of a loss because they actually probably should have won it. They didn't just get, you know, run out of the building, but they did get a really big Memphis win. They got a big Kings win on a back-to-back, and I think no team in the month of January had more wins than the Timberwolves. They were 11 and 5. Uh like I said, 15th in net or an offensive rating, 6th I think in defensive rating. Like they had a really really good month and for another day, they're still missing Colin on the town. So good month, but it means nothing if you then come into February as they do tomorrow and go back to, you know, basically moving forward. Are you the January Timberwolves or are you the December Timberwolves? Because if you're the January one, this is going to be great. Yes. If you're the December Timberwolves, this is not going to be great.
0: We had a little bit of a classic D-Lo performance last night, like the, the classic bad D-Lo. He's been so great. He's probably played the best basketball of his career the last two months. He's been, he's yep, yep. There might be a stretch with that that Brooklyn season where he popped up. Wasn't he an All Star one yeah, year in Brooklyn when yep, they went yep, to the playoffs? Yep. But he he and he's he's been shooting like forty five percent or something from three over the last like month and a half, two months. And last night was, and he did he did this a lot at the beginning of the year. It was a four for sixteen where he just can't make anything. Two for ten from three point range and zero for three from the free throw line. So hopefully he's not going into like a bad Delo stretch. On the ant front, yeah, the turnovers were bad. There were some just, like, untimely things here and there. But even, like, you know, games where, okay, he's he's a little off, he's not making free throws, or he's maybe he's settling for too many shots and not driving to the lane enough. Like, you could nitpick some of those things last night for sure in the turnovers. He doesn't have clunkers anymore. No. Right, knock yeah. on wood. Knock no, that's on a good wood. point. He has, okay, I was just looking last season, for instance. So he had 10 games last year. Where he scored single-digit points, where he's just basically non-existent, and so of those ten games, he also had uh, only one game with more than four rebounds. So he, so there's there's games where it's like he's not scoring, and he's not rebounding, and he's not a playmaker dishing. If you one thing, if you score nine points, but you also get like eight assists and ten rebounds yeah. or something, and you know whatever your offense isn't working when his offense wasn't working last year for a, a huge chunk of this game, and by the way, I'm leaving out an 11 point performance, a 12, a 13. Like he had a lot of those last year and then you get hot for a couple of weeks. He only has, if you take away the game where he went out because of an injury against the Clippers, right? He only played like 22 minutes in that game, scored five points. He only has one other single digit point game. And that was back the fourth game of the season against the San Antonio Spurs a game in which he also grabbed 10 rebounds and was playing defense throughout the night on uh, various Spurs players, right? Even his weird games or his like, oh, he's kind of off tonight or he's a little sloppy with the handle. It's like 33, 8, and 5, but a little yep. sloppy. Oh, he goes for 30 25, 7, and 7, right? Every night is becoming like this for Anthony Edwards. Even like his floor is is heightened compared to where it was at the beginning of the year.
1: Yeah, I, this was a little bit of a take, but I thought Saturday nights, again, if we would have recorded yesterday, this pod would be a little different. So I apologize for the work inconvenience. But yeah, Saturday night I thought was one of his best games of his career. Um, selfishly, because that was like the last real night of Wolves basketball before the coaches' votes were due for the All-Star reserves, yeah. which were due Sunday night. So I was like, you know, if there are coaches that are actually going all the way up until the deadline, and it went 34-10-6 and, and also kind of shut down De'Aaron and Fox for most of the game. Um, and that was on the second night of a back-to-back. I mean, think about the old days, quote-unquote, where Ant used to come into that second night of a back-to-back and just be, you know, bad. He would just be tired. He didn't know have a, have a good routine. Um, but, yeah, he averaged in the month of January, what, 28 points, six rebounds, five assists. He shot 40% from three, 47% from the field. Man. Um, it's incredible. I mean, it really is like <laughs> I always look at prize picks a little bit. And, like, his total for points is, like, 27 and a half, 28 and a half. It's like, that is a huge number. And it's like, oh, he had 34. Oh, he had 44. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, it's like he just brings it now every night. Um, his energy is infectious for his teammates. Um, and he just, you know, that's his his play, DeAndre Russell's play, that whole kind of combined play of that backcourt goes back to why they no team won more games since the start of the year than Minnesota. Uh, I think they've both been clicking. Uh, it's just been, It's been great to watch. And, Regardless of if he actually gets the all-star nod as a reserve on Thursday, which I'm still very skeptical, uh, you have what it turns out to be a 21-year-old potential all-star on the other end. I I tweeted this out right before we went live, but Basketball Reference put up this cool graph where they put all the guys' faces and heads. But basically, it just said Jade McDaniels, top right corner, is the best wing defender in the league. Like, you got people listening to this might think, oh, Dylan Brooks, or oh... Like Deniavdia for the Wizards. It's like, no, Jade McDaniels, his head is in the far right corner. So you have this all-defensive candidate on one end that you drafted in 2020. You have this potential all-star future all-NBA guy on the offensive end that you drafted in 2020. Like, regardless of all this all the other chapters of this, you still need to figure out Carl. You gotta figure out Rudy, D'Angelo, Russell, all the bench guys having no picks, but it's a pretty, pretty impressive time to for that franchise compared to where we were at the end of December when I mean today is January 31st uh December 31st we're all huddling outside the locker room as inside the locker room they're having a players only meeting so pretty big turnaround this last month but again
0: can you do it again in February and March when the schedule continues to get harder and harder I'm looking at this graph that you put out here just it's like a on-ball defense is the Y-axis, and matchup difficulty is the X-axis. And Jay McDaniels is in the top right of best. He's the best on-ball defender, and he has, like, the fifth-hardest matchup difficulty of any wing defender in the league. That's insane, dude. And he's, and, and he's also just, like, knocking down cold-blooded threes on offense to tie the game, you know, mm-hmm. send it into overtime. He is—what do you think— I know that you are president of the Jaden McDaniels (laughs) fan club, so I'm asking someone who might be a little biased here in this discussion. A little bit. What is he in five years? Oh, you know, the
1: the Suns' run over these last couple years has obviously been because Devin Booker became All-NBA, and then they made this kind of a Rudy Gobert-like trade to go get Chris Paul to solidify their backcourt, to be their leader. Um, but a lot of it's still like that Mikhail Bridges leap becoming an all all-world three and D guy. Um, that's what you would hope for Jaden, right? Like if you just looked five years in the future and said Jaden made three all-defensive teams, usually going back historically, people don't really make all defensive teams if your team sucks. <laughs> so if I just said, hey, yeah. 2028, 20, Jaden will have three all-defensive teams, that probably tells you that they're A we're a good defensive team. The Rudy stuff now, if you look at Rudy's numbers through almost like what, fifty some games of the season, he's playing Rudy Gobert defense again. So if you have Rudy and you have Jaden and you have a good defense, usually defense means you're winning games. Um yeah, offensively, I don't I don't know offensively because he's still every single night, it takes him until two minutes left in the fourth to get eleven points. Yeah. Um he's just not part (laughs) of the offensive (laughs) plan. But then, and I think Grady said this last night during the game. But anytime the the offense breaks down or it's like last like late shot clock stuff, he just his turnaround kind of jumper in the in the paint or in the like from fifteen feet is unguardable and it just always goes in. So he missed that three against the Jazz a couple weeks ago that could have won them the game. And since then, he's hit two, I guess what I would say, either game winning or game tying threes in the clutch. Um, And that that's cool too, as just like a fan because. After Jaden missed that one against the Jazz, the Ant kicked it to him. Ant's like, I'm going to kick it to him again. Like, I trust him. And last night, even though they lose the game, Ant gets double or triple teamed on the baseline, finds Jaden. He might have traveled. But anyway, regardless, Jaden hits that three to send it in overtime, and it's just a really big moment. So to have to have essentially ah, football, because I'm a huge football guy too, Like to have your offensive star and your defensive star be essentially on the same timeline, 22 and 21 years old, it just, I don't know, man. This is, I'm going to get into a rant at some point. It just, it's crazy that Oklahoma City gets all this love for like Shea Gilders Alexander and Chet Holmgren. They're coming, right? They're the future. Or the Pacers have Halliburton and Mather and they're coming. They have these young guys. It's like, dude, the Wolves have two guys that collectively are just better combined yes. than those two guys. All defensive, all possible NBA or All Star. And um, they just don't get talked enough about because, again, just real big, like, nationally Glenn Taylor killed your chickens or Glenn Taylor slept with your girlfriend energy of just like last night, D'Angelo Russell was bad, but everything else in January, he was phenomenal shot almost 49% from three. And as soon as D'Angelo Russell was bad last night, Bill Simmons tweeted about it. De- or uh, Ryan Rossillo tweeted about it. Everyone just came and took shots at him. And it's just like, what about the other 14 games where he was electric? Yeah. So, That's just my rant about being covered on a national level and having no respect. I don't know if it's a Gobert trade or what it is, but
0: I I don't like and I I hear you on that. I almost feel like and I say this to to Vikings fans, too, on Purple Daily. I don't have any interest in like begging for national respect for these franchises because it's the the Timberwolves deserve all of the heat that they've gotten for 30 years for the most part. And now it's up to them and they and they stuck their neck out by making the Gobert trade. And they stuck their neck out by by playing hardball about Jaden McDaniels too, right? Because mm-hmm. that was another thing that Bill Simmons yeah. and Ryan Russillo were literally like clowning them for on a podcast. Like, here's 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 us clowning them about Gobert. And then by the way, like, who's Jaden McDaniels? Why would you like draw a line in the sand there? But that's a good point. The wolves need to prove it. To the national media and fans that they aren't just a laughing stock organization by winning games. Go yep, out and right. get to the playoffs, win a first-round playoff series. Anthony Edwards does this, you know, in a six-game series against the Grizzlies, and they beat the Grizzlies or something, right? Uh-huh. So, so like, I agree with you. It is kind of funny that they come in, and I've clowned D'Lo throughout the last couple of years, and I think he deserves some of it, but he's also been playing the best basketball of his career for two months, and last night was, like, his first really bad game in a while. And, so.
1: and, and like, you kind of stole this or had this first and i am so mad and jealous but when you compared the wolves to kind of eminem and eight mile being like i mean no i i do i think this if i covered the thunder like i think the timberwolves fan base is the best fan base because they've grown up in the mud and been through more and like you can't you can't criticize or make fun of a timberwolves fan like we've said all those things about ourselves already so i'm with you i'm probably just a petty 34 year old but I do think my only pushback or not even pushback is just an addition is that when the Bill Simmons or the Ryan Russillas of the world or anyone on a national level John Hollinger just has like a lazy take or is like ah look at D'Lo last night he sucked it's like well what about those first 14-15 games the same with like I've seen people starting to tweet out they're all defensive teams there's only two of them but Jaden's not on there like when they don't show respect to guys like Ant, who should maybe be an all-star, or Jaden, who should be all-defensive team, that stuff really, Dane always talks about how Zach Lowe kind of determines awards. What Zach Lowe says, people just vote for. So if these big talking heads are, you know, from Better or Worse, shitting on these Wolves players, and then those guys are the ones who affect votes, and that's how you get all NBA or all-defensive team, and then those guys don't get those awards, and that's what pissing them off, and down the road, they want to demand a trade because they're in a small market. It just, it kind of cyclones into this, yeah. If you would have just given them their, their props and said, D'Lo sucked on Monday, but man, he was good in January, everyone would be like, oh, okay, cool. But that wasn't it. They just focused on
0: one little parameter, and that's what it was. So, end yeah. rant. Thank hey, re- Hey, real quick on the Anthony Edwards front. So, this article came out. He was he was on a podcast or something. Oh, was that the GQ thing? Where he said, I'll just read it here. <laughs> Chester's hot fries, the <laughs> yep, best yep. chips that are, that are ever made. I've been eating them since probably I was five years old. I prefer these over any chips in the world. Probably eat like three a day. You do the math. What is that? Like 21 bags a week. That's how many I eat. <laughs> probably more though, for real. Do you believe that Anthony Edwards eats? These are the, uh, the flaming hot, uh, Cheetos chips. Do you believe that he eats 21 bags of these a week? He, so he gave up fast food apparently, but, uh, does Carl anthony Towns have a gripe with <laughs> Anthony Edwards' diet after reading this uh, excerpt? That do, First of all, do I believe that 21-year-old Ant is just plowing through Cheetos? 100%. Again, <laughs> just, dro- just dropping 37 points, you know, seven three-pointers and plowing a bag of Cheetos at halftime? Yes. I <laughs> uh, also, too, like kind of back to my Simmons
1: ranch or something, uh, one of the things that's going to, this national narrative that's going to ding Ant for All-Star, just his perception is that People kept saying he came into camp fat or out of shape. Um, like, I was there in preseason. Like, I was in the locker room with Ant in Vegas shirtless, and, like, he kind of looked a little thicker. But then that was also when we were like, oh, my God, Ant put on 20 pounds of muscle. Like, he got bigger in the off season. But anyone that's, like, bulked up or, quote, unquote, at least claimed to have been bulking up, like, you do kind of get a little pudgier, and then you kind of trim it down over the season. I mean— well, he didn't I, dunk. Remember, he didn't dunk for, like, the first 10 games. Right? That's what I was going to say. It's like, remember, like, oh, does he know how to dunk anymore? Like, is he He's too, too fat to dunk? He can't rank
0: the rim anymore. He's eating but, too many Cheetos.
1: I remember, I think it was on J.J. Reddick's pod, and J.J. Reddick is awesome right now on a national level, but he talked about just, like, I thought he said once he lost 25 pounds during an NBA season just because of all... I mean, J.J. No. Reddick was running cardio out there for sure, too, out around those screens, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I Whatever Ant eats at this point, like... When it was popeyes gate earlier in the season maybe he looked a little inflated and wasn't playing well whether because of his physical appearance or he didn't know how to fit in with carl and rudy and Dilo whatever we're at a point now where we just you know like a lot of wide receivers in football right like chad chad johnson was still to this day like eating mcdonald's right And he was an elite wide receiver for the Bengals, but yeah at this point we have to bear we don't care what ann eats and can eat whatever he wants because again he averaged damn near 36 and five in the month of January. So if he wants to reopen the Popeye's
0: membership or just snort Funyuns, which would be like my like go to whatever he wants to do. Uh, wasn't there a Family Guy skit where the drummer from from uh, <laughs> yeah. from what the, what was the band uh, Rush, right? It was Rush, like yeah. Neil Pert? Isn't that yep. the guy's name? He was yep. It's the only way I know anything about Rush. Like he was like <laughs> snorting Cheetos on a glass table. Uh, How many dunks would you guess? So, Anthony Edwards, I don't think he had a dunk for, like, the first 10 or 12 games of the year, and it was a big thing. How many dunks would you guess he has this season?
1: Uh, They've played
0: 50-some games. I would say 85 dunks. Oh, wow. Wow, way too much credit. Oh, okay. Really? 39. He's got 39 dunks this season. Okay, okay. He had, by the way, fifty-eight last year and seventy in his rookie season. Both of those were in seventy-two games. So he has he has uh, if he plays nineteen more games, he will match the seventy-two games he played last year, and he is nineteen dunks. So he just needs one dunk per game for the next nineteen games. Thirty-nine, that's it. The Wolves got to get that. Whoever was doing Jaron
1: Jackson Jr.'s blocks stats they need to get that person at the scores table in cuz i thought it'd be more but okay
0: but yeah he's oh my god we he, might be in we might be launching into an anthony edwards stat porn segment here again give me what do you got now what uh these i don't know how you would know any of these but <laughs> what what percentage is he shooting on corner threes this year uh north of 40 try north of 50 <laughs> he's shooting 52% on corner threes this year Get that man in the corner. Although you don't want him just standing in the corner, though, you want him initiating at the top of the key. So. Yeah, that. And then I saw another one too, where I think he was. I don't know
1: what the the cutoff was for qualifiers, but he was fifth in the league in like standstill catch and shoot threes. Yes. Um, yeah. But last night, and that's actually a really timely one to bring up for last night's game against the Kings. There were a couple uh, plays last night where the ball was rotating. It was it was moving well. The Kings were trying to scramble to play defense. And they just left Anthony Edwards wide open, and one of my buddies texted me like, "Ant shooting wide open threes now is just a layup." And that's think about that like that, that was, was a one huge of the big thing early in his career. Yeah, question marks coming in from Georgia was like, I don't know if he can shoot. Like he, I even saw the Ringer updated there. I just have this hatred, I guess, for the for Bill Simmons. But the Ringer did their updated <laughs> hundred players, and one of for Ant he was I don't know in the '30s, but the little question mark was like needs to improve his shooting. And it's like, well, I guess everyone technically needs to improve their shooting, but like, that kid's come damn far in three seasons from where he was to where he is now. Is basically again, like, if he's open, he's gonna make it. So, um, yeah, the, the 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 volume threes maybe explain why he hasn't gotten to the rim as much, but he definitely has no fear of having one big poster dunk a game. I mean, even after uh, last week, who'd they play? But he he said on like NBA's TV or ESPN's NBA show that like. I'm gonna to try to catch someone on Friday against the Grizzlies, and he did. Yeah. And then Saturday night again, and last night he had one where Rudy kind of cleared the lane for him, and he flew through. So he's just great. I don't know what else. To, like I don't know what else to tell you. I just find myself laughing sometimes because this team, to your point, deserves no respect really historically because they've never figured it out. They've had some good players coming in and out. They obviously have a good player on the mend right now who is back in a walking boot. But um, the Wolves have never had this. They've never really had a 21 year old guard who is potential all-star, who just understands. And I don't know if this is a guard versus a big guy thing, but last night Ant hit a big three and immediately timeout. He immediately went to the crowd and was like, yo, let's go. Like he he's an entertainer. He really yes. is. He's more than a basketball player. He's an entertainer. And he knows the importance of putting on a show for people. It's why I think he's an all-star because he hasn't missed a game. If you want to watch Anthony Edwards, one of the best under 25 players in the league, whether it be home or away, he's going to be there. So feel free to get a ticket. He's going to be box office, uh, and it's just he, the leap has happened. The leap is happening in front of our eyes, and it's great. It is,
0: and I, it's like the, the showmanship thing, some people might scoff at that and say, well, okay, that's great, but ultimately, at the end of the day, like you're there to be a basketball player. I mean, like, okay, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson's a showman. Okay, you're going to put him at point guard? Mm-hmm. You know, well, <laughs> But I well, think the- there is a certain leadership aspect to it. If it's not just a narcissistic look at me thing, which mm-hmm. I don't think it is for Anthony Edwards, he likes to get the crowd involved. He likes to create good vibes. Mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert getting interviewed on Bally's after one of those oh. wins against Memphis or whatever. And, and it's kind we of just... a, like his interview is not necessarily matching the, the atmosphere in the arena because he's kind of a low-key, low monotone guy who doesn't necessarily, like, English isn't his first language either. So he's just like, he's not connecting with the audience in that moment. And Ant comes over and starts the Rudy chant on the microphone and gets people involved. Like, he wants Rudy to feel good. He wants the fans to connect with Rudy, and he's there as kind of a liaison. So I think he does it, if you can be the conductor of the arena in a way yep. that gets the fans behind you, gets everyone feeling good, gets the team feeling good, there is something to that entertainer, frontman sort of vibe that he creates. Steph Curry has it, right? Yeah, the the, the some of the
1: best players in the league do it. Steph's a great comp, and then that whole, I, I had that in my notes, the Rudy thing, like, I know that seems random i know it was after the game doesn't affect the standings but talking to people that were there covering the like i think that stuff is huge behind the scenes in the locker room because yeah rudy is a pretty quiet mellow person doesn't always give great interviews and for Ant to kind of notice that um and that's what Ant does in his post game stuff he always starts by saying yeah all credit to Jaden, or all credit to D'Lo, or, all credit to finchie uh it was just a cool moment and it was part of what I said in like November that we're all just kind of in this chapter of whether it be the wolves franchise history or ants growth as a top 10 player, where you're seeing him just become more and more of a leader um, in the things he says and the way he carries himself. So I know we're saying all this positive stuff after they dropped what should have been a very winnable game against the Kings, but I think they got about 30 games left and it's going to be must win every night because you're playing teams that you're fighting for a playoff spot for, but for, I mean, I just, I always have to think about where we were and when you and I are texting in December 10th about what the hell are we going to record about tomorrow, they're 16 and 21 or whatever, <laughs> like they've turned yeah. it around. It means nothing, but it also could be way worse. And you still have, again, I don't know when Caronty Towns is going to return, but you still have this massive domino waiting in the wings that is going to come back at some point. So a lot to be hopeful for, but again, every game matters moving forward.
0: I actually have more Anthony Edwards stat porn for it. you. because th- These are Which all is... relevant to the conversation. So he already has drawn 13 more shooting fouls than he did all of last season. That's impressive. He's, dr- he's drawn 10 more and ones than he did all of last year. He has 42 and ones in 53 games. And he had 32 in 72 games last year. So he's averaging almost one and one or ant one, if you will per game on the shooting. So you mentioned that the ringer in their little write-up of the top 100 players was, you know, saying he needs to be a better shooter. And yeah, like there's room for him to improve as a shooter, but okay. If you do the blind field goal percentage by distance test. Okay. Let's start from all the way outside. He's shooting 38% from three player B is shooting 39% from three. Okay. About the same. Uh, from 16 feet and out, so long twos, mm-hmm. Ant shoots 37% on long twos. This player shoots 39% on long twos. Pretty close. Okay, the mid like the middle, middle range, like 10 to 16 feet, Ant shoots 39%. Player A or B, whatever, shoots uh, 39%. So they shoot the same. So basically from 10 feet out, these two players are pretty much the same shooters. Clay Thompson was the player that I was comparing there.
1: Wow. Okay. Okay. One of the best shooters of all time. Um, clearly on the downside of his career a little bit yeah. with stuff. If you did stuff, this still... with
0: his numbers five years ago, it would be a little different. But Clay's yeah, yeah. still having <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A... Clay's it... still having a good season and is still a very, very good shooter. So he's basically like this and clay. Yeah, Clay's Clay is shooting forty percent from downtown on the season and he is scoring twenty one points a game. Like so it's not as bad as people think he's actually getting better as a shooter, too, and this is kind of a
1: segue off that, but we did talk a little Delo and Lo will continue to be just in the news, I think until the trade deadline um i don't I don't think they're at a level now where as a team that basically said we're we're in, we're an all in team by the price we paid for gobert. I don't know how you can then pivot off of that and trade away a player who directly resulted in helping you win games in January in DeAndre Russell but Oh, uh, I think Alan Horton had this, but the the Edwards Russell two man pairing net rating by month, dis or November minus five and a half points. December they're plus one point one and in January they're plus seven point eight. Wow. So it got better. I mean, that, that's eye test too, right? Like November was bad. December, it seemed like they started to figure out a little bit, but the Wait, you said was this bad. is D-Lo and Ant or j d- and Ant? d and Ant.
0: D-Lo and Ant, yes. Okay. So
1: uh, November minus 5.6, December plus 1.1, 1. 1. January plus 7.8. Like, okay,
0: does this make you, you know, the deadline's coming up here in a week and a half. I've, kind of, I've gone back and forth <laughs> on this. You know, if you know. would have asked me a month ago, I would have said, oh, you got to get something for D-Lo. I'm almost now willing to just the way that those guys are playing together and Delo was not good last night. The the not to lose sight of this thing. Like the long term is important, but to me getting into the playoffs and doing something meaningful this year, win a playoff series, should be your number one goal. 100%. Above getting something of value for Delo at the trade deadline. Like I'm mm-hmm. willing to punt on you know the 15 or 16 million dollars you would lose in salary cap flexibility by not addressing the DLO trade now mm-hmm. and just kind of I just cross my fingers that a he can help propel this thing to a a, a fun playoff series and a playoff win and b that you could maybe help facilitate a sign and trade you know between him and some other team and get some value back I'm less likely to trade him based on how well he and Ant have played together here in the last month and a half I mean I I would just one up that and say I don't think you can
1: trade I don't yeah I don't know how you can because even if so if you're pro deal and you want him on a different team well that that can happen this summer because he has done a sign and trade in the past when he left Brooklyn to Golden State like he was part of the sign and trade for Kevin Durant um so and i i don't know the the exact differences in the numbers but i think a sign and trade this summer where he would you know sign with Minnesota then be traded somewhere else would benefit him financially but in the same token again like you're actually winning games now you can't this is the bed that you have made by pushing your chips into the middle a little bit, like you can't be like, We're we're getting Rudy Gobert, he's in his thirties, we're gonna go try to win a playoff series for the first time since Kevin Garnett and then right before the deadline, get rid of a guy who in the month of January had a plus seven point eight net rating with your star shooting yeah. guard. So it's and as we sit here on January thirty first, they don't we're Jordan McLaughlin. Still not really a real person for now. Um I know he's bad on that calf thing and it <laughs> sucks. Yeah. Um, much like Carl, but you don't even have a backup point guard. So, you know, with Jalen Noel's up-and-down play, um, he was Jalen was actually pretty good last night, but he has cost you and I a lot of money uh, as his unofficial agents. Uh, you don't really have a lot of other options. So DeAndre Russell has some leverage here. He's been playing well, had, a, had kind of a stinker last night. But uh, I just don't know how you trade him, Phil. I don't, because you're trying to win games. You're trying to be competitive. That's what this was all about. And even without Carl, like, you need both of those guys in the backcourt to— on some nights, just outshoot people. That's what they did against the Kings. They just outshot the Kings, and without Dilo, you don't have a lot to put next to it.
0: Okay, if if I could guarantee you this version of Dilo, so the like the the December January version of Dilo, okay. you're gonna get twenty points. You're gonna get a guy that can play. He can either play point guard or he can play off the ball. He's gonna mm-hmm. shoot forty percent from three. He's gonna play really well with Anthony Edwards. I can. He's 26 years old. This is the version you're going to get going forward. Deferring to Ant, but stepping up as he needs to. You have to pick between him at let's say 25, 30 million dollars, or Carl Anthony Towns. One of them has to go. <laughs> I am. He's we, hesitating. He's hesitating. We we have cleared this up on
1: both ends that I am like I said. I have no. it Never crosses my mind to trade Carl. I've never thought about it. Um, but I will say, and there's some other five man lineup stuff for the month of January, the last 30 games. Oh, you want to do the lineup game? The lineup the, combination this, up that game? This starting lineup of D'Lo, Ant, Jaden, Kyle, and Rudy is. I th- I thought it was like one of the six best net rating starting fives right now in the month of January, like they're really good. And a lot of that is D'Angelo Russell's, you know, floor spacing. I can see how D'Lo fits next to Rudy is my point better than I can see Carl fitting next to Rudy. And it's not even a Carl thing, but it's again, let's say everyone comes back on Valentine's day or whatever. Like I, how much, I mean, we I've literally have started the process of building the Kyle Anderson statue. He can't play less Right? Like, Jaden can't play unless he's your best defender. We just talked about that. You can't play Ant unless he's your best offensive player. So, I know what you're trying to do. I know what you're trying to do. Um, I would still take Carl a little bit, but Delo's fit this last month has made me see, like, oh, maybe that, maybe this is what Tim Connolly and those guys saw back in July when they envisioned a lineup around Rudy Gobert. And also, too, like, again, I don't want to trade Carl, but Carl Anthony Towns is still a top 30, top 25 All-NBA player. Yeah. Uh, And he gets you a lot of the picks back and assets that you lost in the Gobert trade. So that was just a non-answer answer. answer. Um, But for now, I just don't think you can trade D'Lo because Carl is wearing a Phillies jersey in a walking boot. I don't know if he's coming back anytime soon. And you're trying to win games, and the only way you're going to win games is with talent. And D'Lo is really talented, and you need him next to Ant. So. I think that part of what answer. makes
0: this a, a hard thing to answer is that I I wouldn't necessarily bet that he's going to give you this level of I don't think he's like reached a nope. new consistent yep. level. Under yeah, I, he's we've always known what he can be at his peak, but we also know that he can just like be unplayable at the end of a key you know playoff game six. So I don't know that I that I trust this to to continue forward. But to your point about Kyle Anderson, it is kind of crazy. Let's let's do the uh, the weekly lineup combinations <laughs> update here on Flagrant Howls. Their best two man pairing among guys that have played enough minutes to qualify. So these are guys that have played together for at least like 400 minutes. So, um, you know, not everyone is accounted for here. The best two man pairing net rating per 100 possessions is Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert. Yep. They are a plus nine when paired together on the court. The second best pairing is Kyle Anderson and Jaden McDaniels. They are a plus eight per 100 possessions net rating. So are you going to – these are good problems to have because you're talking about how do you integrate a guy that's seven feet tall that shoots 40% from downtown, can pass, rebound, has been the face of the franchise, right? But how do you integrate him back in without disrupting the Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gobert dynamic and the Kyle Anderson, Jade McDaniels dynamic? I don't know because you, you almost have to start cat – and by starting Cat and Gobert, yeah, yeah. you're automatically taking away minutes that Kyle Anderson and Gobert would be playing together.
1: Listen, there's been some people that wear tinfoil on their heads that have been like, maybe we can. When Carl comes back, he can come off the bench. No, like, yeah, does. that's he's not going to be down. That's me. not going to happen. So good luck. Um, but it, but this is again something that doesn't have to be discussed today because tomorrow night they're going to not have Carl against the Warriors and they're going to need all of D'Lo and all of Kyle and all these other guys. But it is what makes this really interesting is that this experiment is going to last multiple years. It's going to have different iterations at times due to injury or transactions or whatever. But this was still a move, in my mind, made in July to maximize Carl Anthony Towns. It, it still left you with a window to build around and down the road and Jaden and all that stuff. But this was supposed to, in my mind, be the, the piece that, maximizes Carl and maximizes this this version of the Wolves yeah. and you haven't had Carl you haven't had Carl for over 30 games so I don't know how they're going to do it but yeah I mean you found this kind of watered down version of Carl that can shoot and rebound and play make and Kyle Anderson And it's like that guy can't be playing 20 minutes a game moving forward he has to still get his 30 and then if Jay and Ant get 35 and Rudy gets 35 and you have D'Lo he needs you know 28 to 32 it's just it's not going to get any less interesting, Phil, and it's going to be a headache for Finch to figure out. But for now, I don't know when Carl is coming back. I don't. That, that's been way, so weird. He,
0: he posted another cryptic photo. He does this on purpose sometimes. I think he likes when people talk about him and stuff. So he posted the photo of him watching his eagles in a walking boot at home. Did not have to include the walking boot in the picture, but I think he wanted to just to show people like, hey, here's how bad it is. So no timetable. Well,
1: well, well. Listen, no one wants to talk about this an hour in, but there's someone's to blame though and i don't think it's carl even though yeah i'm with you the the boot was i've cropped photos before right where i'm wearing like i don't have socks on like i'm not posting my bare feet online like he definitely included the boot but then to the same point like carl was at games two weeks ago supporting his team doing what i think a good teammate does and then he's not at games and when he was at those games he didn't have a boot on yeah so now he now he has a boot but then everything that the Wolves say, whether it be Finch or— you It's know, all part of the process. All part of the process. Trust the process. What pro- like, the
0: amputation process? Yeah, what, 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 what process, process are we talking about?
1: What process goes from no boot to a boot? So, again, I, I don't really care what the original timeline was because anyone who has some sort of a medical degree has said a grade 3 calf strain is super serious and they're not coming back in 6 to 8 weeks. But they just haven't—I don't know. I remember when Josh Okogie— left a game against the Lakers a couple years ago and the wolves were like, Oh, he's just cramping. And then the next day I was like, Oh, actually he tore his hamstring. It's like, well, I think we could have diagnosed that in real
0: time. So yeah. Daniel Hunter once woke up, I woke up with a little bit of a stiff neck and like, didn't play for two years.
1: <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was like, Oh, he's
0: got a, he's got a bad headache. And it's like, well, that was 18 months ago. So
1: yeah, yeah, for now. And these are all, I know it sounds like we're going all over the place, but they're all interconnected in a weird way. Like I don't, I don't think, in my own brain, Carnathy Towns plays a basketball game before February 9th. And if that's the case, no, zero chance. then you yeah. need to have D'Angelo Russell here. And February 9th is the trade deadline. So, however, they're ordering these dominoes up at Mail Mayo, Mayo Clinic Square, or whatever, like for now, you're probably just looking at a team that maybe, you know, maybe swaps a Nas for a guard to kind of solidify that, or maybe just moves off a of Jalen Noel who I think probably doesn't want to be here or we'll look to sign somewhere else this summer and you're not really getting much from them anyway so maybe you try to just re you know get a couple picks to put back in in the closet but yeah it's a super fascinating thing and the trade deadline now is a week and a half or a week from this thursday um and you got a team that again could have been the four seed waking up yeah they're the nine seed every game matters moving forward but maybe they want to be buyers with the limited resources they have to try to solidify this thing and make
0: a push The schedule coming up is very, very interesting. So you've got the Warriors coming to town. We're recording this on a Tuesday. They're coming to town tomorrow night, Wednesday. And then you say, oh, then you get Orlando. Dude, Orlando just beat Philadelphia in Philadelphia last night. They've beat the Celtics three times in the last month and a half. Yep. That is not. So they started like 5-20 and and people are like, ah, another garbage magic team, just like always. I think they're four games above 500 since they started 5-20. and So. I'm not making excuses in advance here, but that is not a... The the Wolves have already shown they can lose to anyone in the league. They can absolutely get beat by 18 points at home by Orlando if they don't come in with uh, both eyes open. Then you go a home-and-home against Denver. Then a road game against Utah. Road game against Memphis. Road game against Dallas, taking you through the trade deadline. So the next seven games, six of them against the Western Conference playoff bracket, basically, and then a game against a feisty Magic team that's been beating some of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, can you continue to hold serve? You're not going to win all those games, but can you, you know, those are seven games. Can you go four and three in those games? Can you Can you beat Orlando at home, Denver at home, and maybe either Utah, Golden State, you know, Memphis, Dallas, split those games? That's what I want. I'd I'd like to see a four and three stretch through this sort of gauntlet portion of the schedule. And
1: that's why, you know, glass half full, it's like, yeah, they beat the Grizzlies and they beat the Kings, got half empty. then they lost to the Kings in a game that they definitely should have won. But yeah, I think at 27 and 26, let's do a little math on the fly, I think that means 29 more games. I think five of those games are against teams that are currently not in the top 10 in their, in their conference. So they have 24 games yeah. as of today that are against, essentially, playoff teams. Now, again, the Pelicans used to be one, and now they've fallen on an eight-game losing streak. Who knows? They do finish with like a lakers blazers nets spurs pelicans we don't know now but that could be a cakewalk of a week but yeah it's just every game now and this goes back to whether it be ant being the leader bringing the energy or a consistent d in january or rudy figuring out like every game moving forward now is a playoff game like every game matters you're playing against teams that you're fighting for in the playoff standings and uh if nothing else this is an absolute loser take but like I'm just not used to that. I am when the calendar flips to February, almost every year of my life, I'm just looking at mock drafts. Clearly I'm not doing that this year because they have no pick, but it's it's not time to be looking at standings in Tankathon. It's time to be looking at standings on ESPN.com. Ah, uh, and that's fun because it's really tough covering this team in February, March, and April every year when they're just like starting Luke Ridnour's cousin and one of Nikola Pekovic's like assistants <laughs> and just a weird v- variety of guys who have no future on this team.
0: You know it's kind of crazy about their schedule. Last thought here and then we can we'll wrap yeah. it for the for the week for the day anyways. Um we may we may give you a second episode later this week. My schedule's kind of up in the air. Um just for the audience that doesn't know, my wife and I are moving back to Minnesota. We're going to desert Kyle in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, the West
1: Coast flagrant House office is going to be lonely. Maybe
0: we can convince him to to join us in the Midwest Flagrant House office at some point, but the Wolves have only seven home games between February 25th and the end of the regular season, which is April 9th. So that, that's so a. Wait, like say, a that, say that again. They have a, a six week stretch to end the season, and they have seven home games in the final six weeks of the season.
1: <laughs> that's crazy, man.
0: I mean, again, we will at some point
1: bring up these Pistons and Rockets losses, even if an optimistic person like myself thinks okay, they lost that dumb Rockets game, but then it pissed them off and they went into New Orleans and beat them. I believe some of that's real, but still, some of these games they've dropped uh, are going to come back to sting them unless they can go out and, you know, they have, I think this Sunday, Tuesday, they have a home and away against Denver. If you can sweep that against the best team in the West and kind of make up for one of those bad losses. But yeah, every game moving forward now is box office, must watch, whether it be you're attending at Target Center, you're watching on League Pass, whatever. Uh, they don't have an easy game on their schedule. Even a Charlotte team has beaten them before. You know, the Spurs love to try to upset teams, so they don't have another easy game on the schedule, and that's probably good because they are terrible against easy games. Yeah,
0: they should. every game should feel like a do or die for them to actually try. So, all right, he's Kyle. I'm Phil. If you could, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts. And if you could also click the subscribe button and the like button on the YouTube channel, the Scorn Earth YouTube channel here, where Flagrant Howls exists We would be very appreciative. We'll see you next time on your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast.